everybody. Good evening, my dear friend Adnan. Uh, it's indeed uh, a privilege to have been asked uh, to engage in this conversation this evening uh, uh, with our partners, Kenyan Institute and Darasaf and the Educational Bookstores. You might have heard some of you of the Khalidi Library, of which I'm a custodian, and we're also trying to do our share in reviving in the Renaissance, in the cultural Renaissance, let's say, that we're trying to all work for in Jerusalem. Um, and to be honest, it's not because of that, but it's be that I was happy uh, to, to accept this invitation to, to discuss Adnan's latest book, but it's quite simply because I, me and Adnan go back a long time. We were both United Nations officials working on each one of us, our Palestinian files, me as an economist, him as a political scientist. Uh, we both have uh, indirect uh, relation, links to Jerusalem, uh, Adnan through, of course, his lovely wife, Zakia, and me as well, of course, as his work with the Orient House and, and Faisal Husseini and uh, other things which we needn't go into, and me because of my origins, being my father being from Jerusalem, uh, people say, oh, you've come back. So I have come to live in Jerusalem, in Palestine, since 2013, after having been born in New York, as you can gather, and Brooklyn. lived in, no, not Westchester. Anyhow, born in the United States and lived in Beirut and the United Kingdom and Europe for most of my life. So, yes, I have made my... Uh, I suppose I, I, have, I haven't returned in literally since I suppose that this part of my family has come back to Palestine anyhow so um, what I wanted to say is that uh, there are many reasons that Adnan and I should be sitting together at this table and discussing <coughs> not least of which is the subject matter in particular um, uh, of his book and his research and and those of you who know Adnan <coughs> know how long and how hard he worked, um, I would say since the late 80s at least, uh, but especially in the 1990s, on the documentation and ensuring a scientific and, and rigorous and comprehensive documentation of, of lost or confiscated Arab-Palestinian properties in Palestine. So his work, he mentions it very modestly in the, in the bio in this book, but in fact, were it not for Adnan uh, and his ability and his position in the United Nations to make sure that things happened, uh, the United Nations Special Commission on Palestine's property records, uh, which were compiled in 1950 and were held for, uh, well, have not, we were, did not see the light of day, until the efforts uh, which Adnan was involved in, and Ahlan Adnan, number, number uh, our next, uh, th those efforts culminated in that digitization of, that, of those files, and now uh, they are safely in Palestinian hands, uh, for better or for worse, but at least, and most importantly, uh, the exact information about the scale of the loss of, that was incurred 70 years ago uh, at least we have exactly all the documents that we need, uh, both for posterity's sake and let's hope for actually 
uh, doing something about that. And that takes me to the point of the Arab architectural renaissance in the western part of, of occupied Jerusalem. Uh, as you've seen, the photos of these houses, the, the nature, I mean, there's many angles which we'll talk about now, but I think what I think about all the time as an economist, whenever I drive through Palestine, inside Israel or inside the West Bank, and you calculate what is saved by the state of Israel uh, by just appropriating this sort of property. I mean, to rebuild any of these houses that you see here would cost millions and millions. The property on which they, 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 they rest are, is worth millions and millions. And that applies to settlements in the West Bank. It applies to the you know, very vast areas of Palestine so, that were expropriated. So it's no wonder that Israel is held up as an economic miracle. When you have that, that sort of basic capital for free, it makes a big difference as to what, you know, how you position yourself. So we're, we're all very grateful that uh, in the case of this precious cultural heritage in Western Jerusalem, we've had Adnan make sure that in Arabic first and now in English, the material is out there, he's documented it, there's nothing that can be said to refute the facts that he has presented. Um, however, I don't want to speak and I'd like him to say what he'd like to say, but we've, we're, the idea here is that this is a discussion. So I'm going to try and lead, move this forward by asking questions which will lead, I think, to interesting uh, comments by Adnan on the book and on the issues raised in the book. So the, the, for me, I mean, the, the first question, I have a few, but the first question, Adnan, but you can say anything you wish before that, is why did you write this book? Uh, first of all, thank you, Rajan. You are welcome all. I'm, I'm glad and delighted to see you in this uh, Delayed or belayed event. Uh, is that working? I don't know. Anyway, uh, actually, this book is not um, a, the entire or even 5% of what we did on, on, on those properties and others. Uh, I will come later on, maybe, uh, Raja, if you tolerate this, I will ask, uh, answer your question why I wrote the book uh, after I present some of the, of the findings of the book. Uh, why, why people left the old city? At what time they left the old city? Jerusalem until the late period of the Ottoman Empire was uh, totally, exclusively in the old city. The gate of the old city was closed around 6 o'clock, and people could not leave after 6 o'clock the old city. Uh, but the old city, uh, especially the last 50 years of the Ottoman Empire, was prosperous and uh, together with being Spurious, uh, the old city has become very crowded. There are many reasons why people left the old city to live or to build or to reconstruct their houses outside the old city. There are, of course, urban constraints. First of all, uh, 
The land for constructing buildings was exhausted. No more land for additional buildings. The population overcrowded. Uh, there is uh, migration, internal migration from outside the city into the old city. And uh, in certain in certain time, there was uh, influx of Jewish immigrants from the north who suffered in Tiberia, who suffered from uh, uh, chronic diseases in those areas and came to uh, find a shelter in 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 the old city. Uh, so those are really the urban uh, constraints, and of course, like any other old cities in the world, uh, gradually the city went from inside into outside. And we know that uh, in the West, um, the affluent people will leave the center to the uh, periphery, and those years, those days, People come back to centers because of the cost, etc. In Jerusalem, is not uh, different than other cities. People were in need to find additional space, and particularly uh, the Jewish pilgrims, immigrants who uh, uh, were financed to come and live in in, in the city. Uh, second uh, factor is the, uh, the affluent Arabs of, of the old city, the affluent families who wanted to enjoy their richness and who want to uh, uh, build their own expanded houses. They started with small individual dwellings, Houses, summer houses, because at the beginning uh, it was difficult to live and not safe to live outside the walls. Uh, so they built here and there some some houses. And thirdly, and more very um, notable, is the uh, huge uh, drive, huge campaign of Christian. International institutions to resettle, to rebuild. Uh, I will dare to say they are here, or to have the second peaceful crusaders into Jerusalem. Uh, those now I have to mention this because those factors affected, and we have here. Uh, Stairs, Adnan, Hosseini, engineer, affected the type of constructions that we have outside the walls. We have three types outside. We have uh, uh, Ahmed. Yes, please. We have the extensive and dozens of Jewish neighborhoods very crowded, very poor, hasty building, and massive population. Those houses 
Uh, until now, if you go to Measharim or you go to other places, you see how much those buildings uh, were crowded. Comparing to the right side, uh, the, the Arab constructions outside the walls. Actually, I can use this. Measharim yeah. um, uh, and other um, Jewish settlements were built to accommodate uh, families who initially were not Zionist families, who came for religious reasons to be close to the holy places and to die in the holy places. Uh, for instance, in the Measharim structure, they were the largest family will have two bedrooms, uh, and the facilities, the kitchen, and the rest in in the in the inner inner yard. Uh, there was inner yards with the bathroom, kitchens, uh, and etc. Uh, while the uh, can you move, please? Uh, if you see those that, and this is the uh, uh, Muslim says that northern Jerusalem beyond the walls, and you see those uh, uh, buildings with spaces, and this is uh, the northwest with the Jewish neighborhoods. Uh, can you move? Uh, move on. Uh, here, for instance, the Sheikh Jarrah building some castles, huge houses, and this is uh, a, 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 an Israeli neighborhood with those uh, massive um, um, uh, buildings and the crowded buildings. <coughs> Here's the, uh, another um, Jewish neighborhood. This, most of you, of you is familiar with this. This is the, uh, they call it the Maruha, Montefiore area. And you see, it's like, no, no this is Measharim, sorry, this Measharim. Measharim, what's that? Is, is the photo clear? No, it's the light. The light. You can, you can, you can, you can take the light. Okay, so can be Take take the lights back off. Please. Okay. This is Sheikh Jarrah and this is Measharim. Go on. Uh, this is American calling. Uh, the Orient House. Uh, this is Rabah House. And this is Ma'in Big House, and this is Montefiore. And those, those are the, 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 the types of, of constructions were built toward the end of the Ottoman Empire. There's another one? Oh, this is, yeah. Now, a third type of buildings, third type of constructions, in the international Christian institutions. Huge buildings. 
uh, European style, spacey, rich, richly financed, and until now you see them uh, occupy the, the highland space of Jerusalem. This is the, the Russian compound, uh, and this is only part of the Russian compound. To the right and to the left, they are supportive building. Go ahead. Uh, Schmidt School. You see, even the Salahuddin was not paved. This is a pre-paved uh, Salahuddin Street. Schmidt Street was not built to be school, was built to be hostel, was to be place where pilgrims come to live or to stay uh, alone uh, in, in, during the time of prayer. Notre Dame, 600 rooms, 600 rooms for pilgrims, huge, French of course, uh, huge building, still beautiful, was occupied a quarter of, of the western side of, 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 of the walls. Uh, this is a huge, huge building. Go ahead. Uh, this is the Italian hospital in Mea Sharim, close to Mea Sharim. Uh, um, one of the uh, really beautiful buildings that came. Uh, I'll, I'll say a few things about those. Go ahead. This is the Habashi Ethiopian church. Uh, there's inside this beautiful um, uh, building. This is on the, on the street, and I could not go inside and, and touch the door. The gate was closed, and I said, no, 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 no. So I, I well, I, I did this. Now, I, I want to say something about uh, um, how how it was possible with those. Uh, the Ottoman Empire was uh, 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 claiming that the entire Jerusalem land is waqf land. And no non-Ottoman residents can buy or rent uh, the land. And then we have History repeated itself. The Crimea, Crimea war, whereby the Russian uh, uh, launched an attack on Crimea. Uh, by the way, Crimea, Crimea, they spell it differently in different places. We call it Kurum, Kurum. Uh, Crimea. Uh, the, the Russian um, uh, authorities uh, had a conflict with the French authority of Jerusalem, who will represent the Christian in Palestine and in Jerusalem. And at one point, the Ottoman uh, authorized the French or the European to represent the Christians. Then Russia declared war on the Ottoman Empire and, and invaded this island. Four years of war. 1852 to 56. Uh, then um, 
certain European Western powers came to the help of the Ottomans. Uh, after which, the Ottoman had, uh, what they call it, uh, land reform, uh, land registration reform. We call that that period of the capitulation when, when the Ottoman Empire uh, uh, feel a debt for those European. So they authorized with the reform, land reform, authorized uh, residents of those countries who helped the Ottomans uh, to buy land, uh, giving that the consulate of those, of those countries will approve it, will uh, sign it. So, uh, for instance, Measharim was not bought by uh, a Jewish or uh, local desk. It was bought by residents from uh, uh, several uh, countries, including uh, Austria, England, France, Russia, and local. Uh, it is until now, Bea Sharim is registered under the, the, the names uh, uh, Austrian, German, Russian, English subjects, of course, with the support of the consulate. So, um, el, the, um, the, the, the Jewish uh, community and the international, uh, uh, international uh, Christian institutions were able to start building toward the end of the Ottoman Empire uh, due to the land reform that uh, took place in 1858, but practically in 1886. Uh, uh, I'm saying that because it's clear that the, the, from architectural point of view, the move from the old city into the new city was under constraints and uh, affected by the political uh, political decisions, political settings during the Ottoman Empire was clearly um, affected by uh, land uh, registration and land uh, uh, transactions. Uh, now, for for the Arab for the Arab uh, constructions which is um, the affluent uh, uh, constructions, uh, they were um, not massive neighborhoods. The massive neighborhoods, and this is the, the subject of the book, came later on after the 1917, uh, 1918, actually, after the First World War, where um, people felt, uh, felt safe and they could build outside the uh, Now, what I did is uh, uh, I surveyed the entire, the entire uh, land of, of Jerusalem uh, and served the entire development of the um, Constructions and and, uh, and uh, building neighborhoods and small uh, semi neighborhoods. Uh, 
the book is uh, uh, concentrate on 12, 12 neighborhoods, Palestinian neighborhoods. Now, it's, if you look at the map, and we have it, the statistic we have it in the Arabic book is more clear which neighborhoods are Jewish and which are uh, Palestinian Arabs and which are mixed. Uh, I, I, I made it the easy way. I took those 12 who are predominantly Arab Palestinians neighborhoods. The history of those neighborhoods is simple. Uh, old city has become crowded. Uh, there is a change uh, from the Ottoman Empire era into the Mandate era for the positive and for the negative. For the positive, it has become more safe to move out of the old city, but also uh, uh, as uh, concerning city planning has become more in order, and particularly the building construction material has become more available and uh, uh, in, in better quality than used to be. So those the neighborhoods um, were built gradually, starting in the early 20s, actually in the um, 46, 46 already, uh, they stopped constructing those buildings. I'll come to the, the history of, of what happened at that point. But what I call it, why I call it Renaissance, why I call it this, um, those buildings, um, uh, uh, were unique in, in terms of the uh, of the uh, their size, style, uh, material, and I I I, I uh, mentioned some of those. For instance, the the, the location of those buildings, uh, the Bakar Valley. Started from Babel uh, Khalil, Jaffa Gate. If you keep going until the beginning of Bethlehem, it's one Baqa. Not Baqa, but Baqa. It was um, uh, empty land, but also uh, was not safe land, was uh, wild land. Was, was, but then gradually, uh, the area has become a very um, rich area and flat area, and it was easy and simple, but also possible to build on those areas because not only most, almost all, 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 all of those lands were owned by Palestinians, so they could, could buy and, and, and purchase also. Uh, secondly, uh, the, the size of the lot on the houses. Uh, Arab, Arab houses built in those neighborhoods, 
in comparing with the Jewish houses built in this. The Arab houses, per house, they had 1.44 dunam, square dunam, 1.44 dunam per house. While the Jewish constructions in the West Susan, in the area, in the new areas, was 0.55 square meters. The average, average size of the, of the house in, uh, in those neighborhoods uh, was 335.8 square meter. <coughs> average size of the house, 333 square meters. Uh, and, and, and if that is, if this not uh, is the heart, I don't know what else. Uh, average size of Jewish house was 100 meters, square meters. The style, the houses of those in those neighborhoods uh, were oriental features and 19th century neoclassical uh, classical style with more modern technical means, meaning uh, they, they continue the Middle East and the style of the, of the Middle East, Islamic and, and Arabic style, but with, with, with uh, modern technical issue. It was the efforts to integrate Islamic and Mediterranean style with modern functional requirements. And chapter five of the book has the entire thing on, 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 on the style. Uh, the homes often illustrated by highly individualized architectural detail. The creative stone cutting around doors and windows, style, the, the style of the facade uh, of, of the houses, uh, elaborate, uh, uh, stonework, much of the gray or colored stone used in these personal family houses came from limestone uh, quarries in the Jerusalem area. This, uh, the, the stone of Jerusalem area is very normal, very uh, in Palestine and outside Palestine. In some cases, pink limestone was used in systematic ends of trimming windows and, and door frames, balconies, and corners. These houses together formed a garden city as they consisted mainly of villas surrounded by gardens. This is why I call it the Renaissance. This is why I think uh, if you today, and I went into this issue, uh, Jerusalem today, real estate is problematic. Uh, on one hand, there is uh, encouragement by the Israeli government and pushing for the people to come and live in Jerusalem. On the other hand, the space is limited. So we have the, um, the settlements, but in, the, in Jerusalem itself, uh, real estate has become um, uh, something that not everybody can uh, can uh, afford. Today, not today, for some years now, uh, um, rich Jewish, French, American, Europeans 
come to Jerusalem, buy those Arab houses, renovate them, and becoming another castles and, and, and renovated houses in, in Jerusalem. I, I went to real estate to see the prices, Beit el something, and I was there when I was sold. It's two levels, two floors, by the first floor, $7 million, the second floor, $12 million. Uh, this is, this is the, the, the range of the prices of those Arab houses in Talbi, in Katamon, and Yunani, and in German colony, and others. The, 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 um, the price, or priceless of those houses has become a phenomenon, very noticeable. So we, we uh, uh, if uh, Russia talks about the value, um, it, is, it is impossible today to, to, to reach the value. Now I want to go to the, to the maybe the political issue, and then I'll come to answer you why I wrote this book. <laughs> Uh, Jerusalem, like other cities of Palestine, was cleansing during the 1948. But Jerusalem was unique. And all the time I mentioned, when I come to Jerusalem, I send Arabic with the altum. With the altum, I want to beat myself because what happened in the western part of of occupied Jerusalem. Unbelievable. Uh, it, it is a historical phenomenon. During a few days, 40 to 50 people thousand. were out. Thousand. 40 to 50,000. 40 to 50,000 people were out of those places. Of course, if you ask me what are the circumstances, was there a scene, massacre, and mostly the death of Abdel Qadir Hussein. The death of Abdel Qadir Husseini left the battle over Jerusalem with no leadership. The citizen, the simple citizen, those like your family and other families who left, felt unsafe to stay. And then the Irgun and part of the Haganah made a campaign, a good campaign, very strong campaign with arms and this go from house to house and give them two, three hours to leave. And people have panicked and left. 45,000 people leaving in a few days without them. Now, uh, uh, I have some, some statistic in, in, in this. We had, we had all together what we lost in, in and I don't want to continue much about this because uh, I want this question answered. Uh, Jerusalem, the mandated Jerusalem was close to 20,000 square kilometer or 20,000 uh, dunams of land. Uh, the armistic agreement between Jordan and Israel in 1949 left the western part closed to 17,000, 16 plus thousand uh, square kilometer, and 2,200 square kilometer for the eastern part of Jerusalem. Uh, the property, Palestinian Arab property, 
in that western part of the occupied Jerusalem is, was, and still count for more than 35% of the entire property. 30% for the Jewish population, 15 or to 18% uh, for international Christian institution, and the rest roads and, and, and services. Um, what happened to those houses? What, what eating my heart when I look at this? Ahmed will, will uh, show us some, some few photos. Okay, this is one, one moment. This is the house of Camley, Camley House in the edge between Namariye and Talbiye. Levi Shkol, later on Prime Minister, lived in this house more than 10, 15 uh, years. Uh, then when he was appointed or elected to prime minister has to leave and he claimed in a press conference that he never knew that this is an Arab house. Okay. Uh, this is the same Ishkol who was in charge of the, uh, the uh, Jewish agency in charge of resettling those Arab uh, properties. He said, what a revelation. All he looked at those in the Galilee, all those villages, a revelation. Uh, and and he, he acknowledged that there's something even beyond him. And, and he was in charge of resettling those houses. And he come and sit, live in, 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 in this beautiful house of Camry, at Camry, who lived in a hurry to to uh, serve for censure or for, uh, for a shelter for their children. Golda Meir. was foreign minister, but before that was the labor, yeah. labor minister. During her time as a minister, she lived in this uh, Wasif Sharat house, close to it, his brother, Hannah Sharat, Wasif Sharat house. There was a sign upstairs called up the, up the roof called Harun al-Rashid. This house was named Harun al-Rashid. And people from Jordan, Syria, Lebanon came to see this Harun al-Rashid house. The, the, the one and the only Harun al-Rashid house. Uh, Golda Meir lived in this house. And Golda Meir, when he became prime minister, he said, what Palestinians, what Palestine? No Palestinian. I am a Palestinian, not you. Olmert. Uh, Olmert is a simple story. Olmert did not buy the house. Friend of Olmert bought the house, and he pretended that he owned the house from the guy. Officially, he owned this house. Uh, this is for the Nemmari family. A uh, small story, when uh, I was uh, taking photos, sorry for being long, but I was taking photos, 
And one morning, I went to take a photo of that Olmert. He was uh, deputy prime minister. That night, they rushed Sharon into the hospital. He was prime minister. And immediately, of course, they uh, considered formally uh, Olmert as, as the acting prime minister. I was, you know, walking, taking photos, and then a massive force of of police, uh, uh, border uh, forces, army, uh, surrounding the area. And then I realized that in few seconds, I'll be, I'll be beaten up to death if you see me taking photos of this house. I run away like a rat, uh, to not, not to be caught taking photos of the house. Uh, Mr. Natania, Mr. Uh, his father was, as, as you know, some of you know, he was the um, uh, secretary or uh, uh, head of the office of Zabotinsky. He was, you know, the managing officer of, of, of Zabotinsky. And he lived abroad. When he came, he lived in this house. Natalia and his Yoni and sister were raised in, in, in this house. Um, uh, the, the registration is very, very um, uh, strange things. Well, in the registration was considered as Jewish house. I said, no, it's not a Jewish house. I asked my, normally who come to this, Danny Robinson, he took a lawyer, he went to the municipality, and they gave him the information. This house by, uh, was built by Albina, very in, in, in constructed Jerusalem, and was sold to the late Dr. Tawfiq Kanaan. Tawfiq Kanaan never lived in this house. He has a castle, ex beautiful house in Manila. He rented to uh, military officers. Uh, once the military officer left, and Jewish um, authorities got in, they considered it. Uh, a Jewish property. So uh, this is the Albina uh, Belt House and the uh, Ophir House. Mr. Netanyahu and his family were living in this house. This is the last one. Now, uh, why, why, why bother? Um, and I think that uh, my first book that I wrote in Arabic on this issue. I was told by one of my friend's lawyers that uh, in a meeting in Ilat for the, the lawyer guild, um, the then uh, uh, general prosecutor of Israel told him, listen, the Arabs knows, the Arabs know what they have, the Arabs know here. They have the statistic. They actually know. Don't think that they, they don't know what's happening. What was? I said, okay. Then the, we have the the issue of Sheikh Jarrah um, and and um, the Jewish claim for, for those houses and and uh, 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 Jerusalem institution for searching Israel court took some two pages from my um, research uh, saying 
since you are claiming your property in East Jerusalem, the Palestinians has the right to claim their properties in Jerusalem. Now, why the Palestinians do not claim those houses? Uh, uh, some people, I don't see her home, some people want to, to have a class suit against Israeli authorities uh, concerning returning to their house. I recommend it against. I recommend it against because class suits, once you, are, you fail, you have no opening for It is sealed. Um, uh, Israelis uh, sophisticated uh, switched uh, logic say, listen, uh, the property in Wisurus and Haifa and Jaffa and all those properties are to be considered only with the negotiations about the refugees. While the properties of Jewish people from West Jerusalem in East Jerusalem is a something with, with their right, legal right, and other rights of this. Why I wrote this book? Century, certain leader of the of the of the Zionist movement. It is in the first page of the book. References said, Palestine is land with no people for people who know it, and this was adopted by Zionist movement. Oh, seeing this richness. And being myself victim of this Zionist movement and my family, you have to keep hammering and keep saying no. Palestine was occupied, was not empty. And in when when uh, Mr. Uh, the first commissioner, someone, uh, someone, first commission of the mandate had the survey of the population, some of it, uh, was, the results were 75,000 Jews in Palestine, uh, close to 80, 90, 100,000 Palestinians. So it was not empty land. And we know that uh, the, the population who lived in those areas now, with the refugees camp and not camps, count for close to seven million people. This is one one measure, I think, drive for me to to remind those. This. Secondly, I think that we have a, a, a point on on the quality of ourselves. Uh, we, we very often we beat ourselves. Very often we criticize ourselves. Very often we say we are useless. I'm telling you, from my experience, in the past and today, once the Palestinian people are given the chance, the real chance, the real opportunity, the real one, not a fake one, they are very creative. They can build themselves in very creative way. Uh, we are creative people. 
and we love our country and we would stay uh, in, in this country as long as we can. Uh, I, I will stop here. Thank you for listening. Raja, please. There's lots more that we can talk about, I, and I'm sure that there are many uh, questions, but I will still hold my my chairmanship here. And I want to—I I would just like to group uh, what I'd like to I still ask you in two areas. Firstly, uh, let's say about a little bit about the past and some of the details in the book, and secondly, about the future. When, it, with regard to the—to I mean, it's, thanks for answering my question at the end. But uh, one thing I was interested in, I know a little bit about, but I think just a few words might be in order about how you actually did the book. I mean, there are many stages of both the research of the material, but also, obviously, you were out there taking photos. And I mean, how did you match the photos, for example, to the properties? Uh, I think that's an interesting, uh, tedious perhaps, but important part of the, this effort. Uh, the other point regarding the, the, some of the details, okay, back to this architectural revival. Um, was this part of a wider architectural movement in the, in the Arab countries at the time? I've lived in Beirut, we've all seen the sort of houses similar in some ways, but different in other ways. But in many ways inside, you feel you're almost in the same type of house. All these, you know, the Italian tiles, this sort of place. I mean, we see it all around the, uh, in Cairo, we see it in, 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 in Lebanon, we see them in, in, in Damascus. So I think this is an interesting aspect of how while people, as you say in the book, added their personal touches and combined neoclassical with Andalusi and Mabaif, uh, but there must have been some, this must have been part of a broader uh, movement, and I think that's also important. And, 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 and you touched on, but I think okay. what's also very interesting is the people who live in these houses. Uh, you mentioned all of the names in each of the blocks, the families. Uh, no Khalidis, we didn't have anything. No, yes. No, only in Musra, oh, okay. but anyhow. Uh, who were, I mean, you, and you kept saying affluent, affluent, affluent. Obviously, 350 okay. meters is affluent, yeah. but yeah. who were, so a little bit more on those before we just... Uh, First of all, I'll start with the second question. Mesh. The second question, let me say, if, if you read the um, Shafiq al-Hud uh, and Bayan and others on Jaffa, they will say, when Jaffa was, was Pespis Jaffa, Beirut was like a village. Beirut was a village. Beirut was built by people from Jaffa, and not only from Jaffa, but also from Lebanese, from Haifa. The same thing with Haifa. I think that, you know, I, I'm not chauvinistic. I don't want to... Uh, Cairo, uh, hey, Cairo was ahead of, of many countries in the Middle East. But with the scale of our land, of our people, comparing with the Jordan, Lebanon, those small days, we were pioneering. Uh, and I failed to mention, I think that you know it is in the book, but I could not mention everything that one of the um, uh, uh, help or factor in building those fancy homes or 
houses is the availability of material. This is very known in, 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 in city planning, city design, how much you have access to those materials. And we really had access to those materials. Um, and the stones, the cutting stones, the, the woods, the iron, the paintings, all this has become available after the First World War. Uh, first, the first question. In, in 1952 through 1956, the Conciliation Commission, the property of the refugees in Palestine. In, 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 in actually, not entire Palestine, in the occupied area of Palestine. They did sealed, finished with this um, uh, survey and presented to General Selby on, on, on 66 and... 1966? Yes. And then, they took the entire survey, put it in the archive, sealed, no access. Then we came in, in, in 2019, actually 1998, with the Committee on Palestine. We decided, they decided, I, I made the, you made the it actual, up. I made the actual work. They decided for us that we have to go back to this archive and digitize the whole things in order to uh, uh, preserve protect it, share it, preserve it, and, and, and make copies. And later on, easy to, to, to distribute. I worked with, with this company in, in, in Cairo, a Canadian company, for two, three years, two years. We did this conversion from uh, written maps this into, into digitizers. So I was uh, exposed to this, but you know, I, uh, when I, at the end of my work, at the end of the work, we committed to uh, destroy any evidence that we have with us on those, in this work. And like a good boy, uh, I went in the front of everybody, I burned, I cut whatever I had on, 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 on this. The entire database was in my pocket. Because I, I used to go to Cairo, CDs, bring, make correction, come back, etc. Nothing. So I came to, to Jerusalem with the Orient House. Riyadh was asked me then, why? Why is this important? Riyadh asked me, what is important? What we are doing? And I said, listen, let's do this. And we had Riyadh Mansour, the Riyadh Dajan. Sorry. Riyadh Dajan. Uh, and, and we started collecting, collecting this. maps. Uh, said this. We have the uh, British registration, Israeli registration, Jordanian registration, etc., etc. And I concentrated in Jerusalem. I could not do the entire 
So I went to Jerusalem, I did this, so we had, uh, we had the data in Jerusalem. I think the data that I have in Jerusalem would cover validly to be safe around 85% of the actual problems. Of the actual problems. Um, another question related to the current status of these properties. Um, I've had experience in some Khalid Diwakh properties of finding records that 10 years ago showed that this property was Waqf al-Khaldi originally, but today that, that original registration has been erased. And you mentioned it in a few cases where it said it was a Jewish property. So I assume that all of these properties first was hand, were, were taken over by the custodian of absentee property and then eventually given, sold, whatever, to private or other. Is that? Yes. Uh, so today, can, we, can, can you prove? Uh, yes. Do, do the Israeli Tabo records today still say that this was so and so's is, is, is house Israel, originally? Israeli authorities took over and managed those properties in stages. The first year, when military officers and ordinary people rush to occupy and, and to, to, to have peace of this, of, this, of this cake, then they have, they issue emergency regulations concerning the land. Then in 1949-50, they have absentee law uh, that uh, have an authority, development authority, control, take care of this. But within this law, the, uh, the development authority was authorized, it is governmental authority, to sell those, some of the properties, municipality to government institutions, not to private. This was until the 60s, where they, they have two uh, laws concerning land and dwellings. For the land, then they uh, distributed lands to the kibbutzim, mushavin, private farmers, uh, uh, to small portion of land, then I think it was 120 uh, dunams maximum, and uh, but not not as not selling them, but as lease, uh, um, <coughs> as rent, as the uh, free uh, with, no, with no money. Then. Uh, in 1966, they start expanding those, and you remember that Kibbutzim B'Mushavim starting, and economically, it was the uh, uh, prosperous uh, business of, of, of building uh, businesses, start uh, lending some of those land, or gas stations, cafes, restaurants, along the, the highway, um, public buildings, etc. And then came the, came the, the, the question of, of the dwellings. Um, it was Amidar, 
Amidar, a government company, who was uh, um, authorized and requested to manage all those uh, dwellings, houses, this which had been rented to the, rented to the, the, the population. Interesting. Listen. In total land control by Israel, 7.48 uh, dunams uh, owned by Palestinians. This is outside the outside the Negev, close to to 12 million dunams. Seven percent. Uh, one million four seventy hundred owned by Jews, um, etc. But uh, the Israeli custodian of abandoned property reported to the UNCCP, the United Nations Conciliation Commission, in 1951 that Israel officially controlled 73,000 abandoned dwellings and 7,800 premises. Uh, those are the premises that had uh, a new law uh, uh, encouraged the, the tenant to buy those houses uh, uh, with uh, help from government loans, etc., etc. Otherwise, they will double the rent or triple the rent for those who will buy it. So then, in the late 60s, the, the, the whole issue was sealed and private... Uh, uh, Privatization was allowed. Uh, yeah, privatization. Since the 60s. And, and private tenants started... So now all of these properties are owned by the people living we, in them? We, we don't know if it's all, but some of them still, still, some of them and still... And do the records show the original yes, Palestinians still there? The record. Now, you say the names, and if you go to the Israeli archive and um, look at the ownership in 1948, actually it will be 46, not 48. This is the, the genuine registration of landlords. Otherwise, any piece of land or property in the area occupied by Israel was either sold illegally or transacted illegally. And the, the, the ironically, uh, we are sometimes in the UN doing very, very bad things. In 1984, the General Assembly, based on a request of the Palestinians and Committee on Palestine, took a decision to, to create a fund uh, controlled by the Secretary General that will collect revenues of those properties, General uh, uh, Assembly, you can imagine if we can, if then we started, then we don't need United States for, for UNRWA. We need not, nobody with UNRWA if we, can, we had collected. 
Now Israel gave them the, the, the middle finger, said no, um, do whatever you want, and, and nobody continued. This actually, the, 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 resi the resolution is still there, and you still can come with this resolution. There is not, no, not any, any security issue with this resolution. There is no any threat to the, to the state of Israel or the security of Israel. This is business, it's money. So, so you've taken us into the politics, and that's my last question. And then I'd like, uh, I'd be happy to let the, whoever would like to participate. Um, those of you who are, have done, you know, United Nations or whatever, you look at the wording of this and notice uh, Adnan's very personal way of talking about Jerusalem. And he refers to the western part of occupied Jerusalem. Now, in the, I looked carefully in the text. I did find one or two mistakes where you referred to East Jerusalem and West Jerusalem. Those who know Adnan, and I would share this uh, point with him, East Jerusalem is a creation of diplomatic facts, not realities. There is Eastern, Sharqi al-Quds, and Gharbi al-Quds. One thing. So we have Eastern and Western. We have East Jerusalem now, which is enshrined in, la in language of of too many uh, politicians, including Palestinian politicians, and West Jerusalem, but they don't really, they only have a, they don't have any legal real status. What the only legal, then you have, of course, the old city and the new Jerusalem, but that's maybe more of a matter of architectural and social history. But more importantly, I think, is we have something that appeared once in the United Nations resolution, in the, in the United Nations Security Council resolution of 1980, which referred to the holy city of Jerusalem. Now, we know that was part of a moment in history where there was a United, including the United States, supported this resolution, which referred to the holy city of Jerusalem, which, of course, is an echo of the 1947 city of Jerusalem. So what, what I'm leading up to here, as you're probably aware, is that is the question of Jerusalem still open? Is it really on the table? The question of not the question of East Jerusalem. I mean, Trump says he's taken the question of East Jerusalem off the table of Jerusalem. But in fact, in legal terms, and in terms of unfinished business, the question of Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, is there a future for the city of Jerusalem? Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm sorry for the mistakes that you find. <laughs> I hope, really, I, uh, no, I mean, if you mention, most people won't consider next, it a mistake. Next sprint, I, I, I correct this. Uh, we, uh, by habit, by, I don't know, de facto things, we always made mistakes with concepts. Concepts built realities. Yeah. Concepts, perception, built realities. Jerusalem was never recognized as uh, two, two cities. Israel, and I challenge them, never, never set or determine the border of, of its western city. There is no border. This corpus separatum is still recognized by the international community as corpus separatum. The British, particular, the British government in particular, refused since ever, to recognize Western Jerusalem 
or other Western powers Jerusalem as Western Jerusalem, because they were they were behind the whole thing the, the whole thing corpus separatum. Actually, the British mandate wanted Jerusalem to be from from Jerusalem to Karadur to Jaffa and all this. This is the state city state city state, and this is the the, the dream was in British. No international recognition, neither in the East or West Jerusalem. Jerusalem, today, entire Jerusalem is occupied. In 19, in the Resolution 242, there is some different status than in 1947. Uh, 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 recognize or talking about 1967 uh, uh, border lines. This is where the negotiations. This is where East Jerusalem. Uh, the, the, the negotiation with the Palestinians with, with others. Uh, we are talking about uh, the borders, the lines of 19 actually 49 that are mystic lines. Now you can. Uh, accept this as partition. You can, I don't know if you have mandate, but you can ask for the people mandate to do this and to uh, decide that our claim as Palestinians will be concentrated on east of the line of the armistice agreement, 1949. And you can say, no, I want to open the whole thing for negotiations. Realistically speaking, we are powerless to do or to determine which way to go. But I, I recommend. But legally speaking. Internationally, legally. We have every. And not only that, and I think in our heart, in our mind, in our day life, we should continue. We should continue. Yana, we should continue saying, this, our land, those, our houses, those, our neighborhoods. Occupied. Occupied things. Otherwise, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, politics is, is uh, a slippery slope. Of, no balance of power, and you know, we are powerless to do this. We are, we are